Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Let me begin with a question. How many of you feel lonely? How many of you feel like this is a very lonely time in this world when you're stuck at home? Right now, I think loneliness is at epidemic proportions. In fact, more people are probably suffering from loneliness than are suffering from COVID-19. But even if you were to go before this pandemic, loneliness was at epidemic proportions in our country at that time. Some of the research I ran across uh, said that 40% of Americans felt lonely before this pandemic took place. While social media relationships are way up, physical face-to-face relationships are way down. During the last 25 years, Americans have consistently known less and less of their neighbors. In fact, we know 33% less neighbors now than we did in our parents' generation. Another study says that Americans only have two close friends. There are 327 million people in this country, but if you have a bad day, there's only two people the average person feels they can call. All these things tell us that people are very lonely in this world right now. They were lonely before this pandemic, and they're especially lonely in this pandemic. Today, I'm going to talk about where you can find genuine, lasting, deep and close relationships. Relationships that give you joy. And I'm going to tell you where you can find them and how you can have them. And really at the center of them is Jesus Christ. Before we dive into the study of this loneliness and how to have relationships that produce joy, let me give you some background on where loneliness comes from. What we learn is that sin creates loneliness. How did loneliness begin? When God um, created the world, you find in Genesis 2, it says that everything was good at that time, except for one thing. It was not good that man was alone. So God created a helpmate for him, a, a friend for him known as Eve. And Adam and Eve were in a relationship with God together. They were in a relationship with one another together. And they worked in community together on the same mission to give God glory while working in the garden. But then we come to Genesis 3. And sin enters this world. And loneliness came into this world. Because sin broke the relationship between God and man. Sin broke the relationship between Adam and Eve. And then sin also cast them out of the garden. So they were no longer working on the common mission of bringing glory to God in the garden. They were working out of the garden merely to survive. So sin ultimately creates great loneliness in our lives and loneliness in this world. That's the first point we need to know by way of background. But the second point is incredibly good news. It's Jesus. Jesus came 
to restore our relationship with God. He came to restore our relationship with one another. And Jesus also came to restore our mission of serving God in this life. Just as Adam and Eve served God in the garden, Jesus came to restore us to serving God through his church for the common mission of sharing the good news of the gospel. So that's a little bit of the theological background we need about loneliness, that it was especially created by sin, and Jesus is the cure to loneliness. Now let's look at some background on the book of Philippi. We find that Paul was lonely because Paul had a stay-at-home order. Remember where Paul was when he wrote this book that we're beginning to study today. He was under house arrest in the city of Rome. House arrest means that he is in jail, but sort of a, a nice version of Dale, jail. He had to be at home. He couldn't leave home. He was literally chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Now we're freaking out because we're stuck at home for two months. According to Acts 28, Paul was under house arrest, stuck at home for two years. If we think we experienced loneliness for two months at home, Paul understood it at a whole different level for two years. At least we can go to, to Walmart and the hoarders among us can steal all the toilet paper. We can go to a bank and now we can actually go to a bank wearing masks. I mean, three months ago, if everybody showed up at the bank wearing masks, they would have called the cops. Now you show up at the bank wearing masks and they're quite happy. But the point is that we can at least get out. Paul couldn't get out at all. So Paul understands about loneliness. Paul understands what it's like to be stuck at home. Now let's look at some background here. Friendships. Friendships often don't take away loneliness because they're based on proximity and affinity. In a few moments, we're going to read the first 11 verses of the book of Philippi. And we're going to see that Paul is going to have great joy in spite of the incredible loneliness he faces. And he's going to tell us where this great joy comes from in the midst of loneliness. It comes from his gospel partnership with the Philippians. We need to remember that gospel partnerships and friendships are different. Friendships are based on proximity and affinity, but gospel partnerships are much deeper. It's Christians having a common connection through the Holy Spirit, and it's also Christians working together on the common mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, before we explore gospel partnerships and what they are, let's take a few minutes to expand upon Christian friendships, what they are and how they are slightly different. Friendships, as I mentioned a moment ago, are often based on proximity. That means that uh, people are located in the, the same place. That's why they're friends with one another. Maybe if you were to pull out your high school yearbook, you'd see those photos of all those classmates of yours. You'd see the, the way that your classmates had signed your um, yearbook. Some of them had said things like, we'll be best friends forever. Or others wrote, 
we'll be best friends for life. But the honest truth is you probably haven't seen them for 10 years, 20 years, some even 30 years. What happened to that lasting friendship that you thought would go on for life? That friendship was only based on proximity. The fact you lived in the same town and you went to school in the same place. And as soon as you weren't together, that friendship fell apart. That's the way often friendships work. Other friendships are not based on proximity. They're based on affinity. Affinity is you have something in common with a person. For instance, maybe your friends all like video games and you're all gamers. Or maybe your friends like motorcycles and you all ride motorcycles together. And that works well until you change what your affinity is. I know this is a shock for some of you, but many of you will wake up one day and realize that video games are actually pretty much of a waste of time. Not something you want to put all your energy into. And as your interest in video games goes away, you soon find that your friends who joined you in video games go away. Because your friendship was based on an affinity with them. But this morning, we're going to look at a different kind of relationship. Gospel partnerships. Gospel partnerships are much more deeper and they're much more lasting. Gospel partnerships are based on the fact that Christians have the Holy Spirit inside them and they also have a common mission to share the gospel. So that bond that ties Christians together doesn't last for just a period in life. It lasts for all of life. That mission to share the gospel, it doesn't just last for a few years. It lasts for all of our years. And so it is incredibly satisfying when we work in gospel partnerships with one another. And it gives us great and lasting joy. That's the background we need as we prepare to dive into the first 11 verses of Philippians. Let me read them to you and follow along in your copy of your Bible if you have that in front of you. And then we'll begin to study them. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
that ends the reading of God's word. <coughs> These verses uh, divide up into sort of three sections. The first two verses are just an address that we're not going to cover this morning. Then verses 3 through 8, Paul talks about his incredible joy because of the Philippians' partnership in the gospel. And then in verses 9 through 11, Paul talks about how he prays for the Philippians that he loves so dearly. This morning, we're only going to focus on verses 3 through 8, the joy that Paul has in the partnership of the gospel. And then when you get to your life groups tonight, you'll be able to study verses 9 through 11 and learn how Paul prays for those he loves. So let's dive into looking at the beginning of these few verses. We see gospel partnerships give us joy because they are built on the common mission of sharing the gospel. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Two weeks ago when we began this series, we saw that one of the common themes in this book is joy. Paul talks about joy 16 times in only the four chapters of this book. We've already seen Paul is actually in a very difficult life situation. He's in prison. He doesn't know he may be executed. And he doesn't have a lot of happy circumstances around him. Yet, we see consistently in this letter, he is filled with joy. Why is he filled with joy? It is because the gospel is making progress. What we find here is that the progress of the gospel is what was important in Paul's life and it is what brought joy to Paul's life. Not the circumstances he faced, which were not any fun, but the progress of the gospel. And that is what brings joy to him. And particularly what brings joy to him in this early section of the book of Philippians is that the gospel is growing. The gospel is producing fruit in the lives of the Philippian believers. These Philippian believers are not just Christians because of him. They're not just friends with him, but they want to partner in sharing the gospel with him. Remember what occasioned this letter that he wrote back to the church of Philippi, which is his thank you note. The Philippians had taken up a, an offering to help support Paul when he was in prison. They had sent a man named Epaphroditus to carry that offering to Paul when he was in prison. And Epaphroditus, he was not just a messenger boy. He was a sort of a deacon in the church of Philippi. Epaphroditus stayed with Paul and he helped Paul. He partnered with Paul in sharing the gospel. Most of the churches that Paul planted didn't do this. They hadn't done this. They became Christians because of Paul and they were friends with Paul, but they hadn't had the gospel mature in their lives to the point that they actually put their um, money and their energy into partnering with sharing the gospel with Paul. Yet, that is what happened with the Philippians. 
And that's one of the reasons Paul is filled with such joy when he remembers them and joy when he thinks of them because of the gospel is producing fruit in their lives. So they are partnering with him. The next thing we see is Gart's gospel partnerships are about mission, not just friendship. I mentioned that a little earlier. Let me explain where this comes from. There's a very important word here when Paul says, you are a partners with me in the gospel. The word partner is the Greek word koinonia. We often translate that word into English as fellowship. But that has become dumbed down in the American church. Fellowship to us often means simply coffee. It means donuts. But that is an inaccurate translation of what koinonia means in the original Greek. Koinonia actually has commercial overtones to it. It's a a business word. It means that it's what happens when people enter into a business partnership together. Imagine that you and I decided to buy a boat. We went into a a fishing business together. We both put our finances into buying the boat. We both put our time and energy into catching fish on the boat and selling the boat and the profits we share together. That is a koinonia relationship. Working together on a common mission for the success of the business. And that's what gospel partnership is. It's not Christians just being friends together. It's Christians working together for the common goal of sharing the gospel and giving God glory through the gospel in this world. Remember how Adam and Eve had a common mission to serve God in the garden together? But that was lost when sin entered this world. But Jesus restores all that And Jesus restores our mission to serve God together by sharing the gospel in this world. And gospel partnerships provide so much more joy than friendships could ever offer as we partner together to do what God wants done. Maybe some of you have experienced this firsthand yourself. Maybe you've been on a a church mission trip. And you know that when you're on a mission trip, there's a special bond that develops with those people that you're serving with. It's not just a friendship, but it's a heart-level bond as you are working together to share the, the gospel together. Those are lasting friendships. Those are deep friendships. In fact, the church and the relationships we have in the church is supposed to be the exact same way. Unfortunately, many people come to church and they think of the church as, they think of themselves in the church as customers to be served not people that should be working together for the gospel. So they come to church and they look at being served and then they they leave and they maybe get some good Christian friends, but they don't go any deeper than that. But God offers us so much more joy. He offers us so much deeper of a relationship because when Christians move from just attending church together and they move forward past being friends together to actually serving together, they have great joy together when they end up as partners in the gospel. Now in the church, how can you do that? Well, Well, if we weren't on shutdown, there's so many varieties of ways. 
people they served together in Awana as partners in the gospel, and they received joy from that. They served together in the youth group. They served together on the mission team. They served together on the worship team. All those kind of gospel partnerships produce deep and lasting relationships that are better than friendships that give us great joy. As Paul continues, he tells us more about gospel partnerships. He tells us the longer gospel partnerships last, the more joy they bring. He says, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What this is hinting at is the Philippians have actually been gospel partners with Paul for a relatively long time. Epaphroditus coming to help Paul and bringing some financial gifts to Paul. This is not the first time the Philippians have done this with him. If we go to a little bit later in the book of Philippians, we find that Paul says that the Philippians had actually partnered with him when he was in Philippi, or excuse me, in Thessalonica. You look in the book of Acts, after Paul planted the church in Philippi, the next place he went to plant a church was the city of Thessalonica. And apparently, shortly after planting that church in Philippi, the Philippians sent him some financial help and possibly some personal help, uh, someone like Epaphroditus, to help him as he was planting the church there in Thessalonica. And they had continued to partner with him and help him. It seems like for the last 10 years of Paul's life. Now put yourself in Paul's shoes as he's in a very lonely place in that Roman prison, far from the city of Philippi, wondering what's happening, wondering who's ever forgotten him. And then Epaphroditus shows up. Epaphroditus, a deacon. Epaphroditus carrying a love gift, saying, Paul, we are still partnering with you. We want to still help you get the gospel out into this Roman prison and to this Roman world. Imagine the gratitude in Paul's heart, the joy in Paul's heart that could only be found from that really long-term faithful partnership. That's why gospel partnerships over the long-term bring more joy than gospel partnerships over the short-term. By way of application, one of the things we can apply to this in our lives is uh, the importance of not being what I call church hoppers. Now, I, I realize sometimes God takes people out of one church and he moves them to another church and he does that. But there's other people out there who are like frogs. They just hop from one church to the other, never getting involved in a long-term gospel partnership, working with brothers and sisters in Christ for the sake of the gospel in one place. And when they continue to hop from one church to another, they deny themselves the joy that comes with a long-term gospel partnership of working with brothers and sisters in Christ over the long haul. So I'd encourage you, be someone who is working as gospel partners in your church for the long term, not the short term. The next thing that Paul tells us is this. Gospel partnerships are evidence of authentic spiritual life. He says, I am sure of this 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Well, this is a great memory verse. Many of you probably already know this verse, who have committed this verse to heart, and it's a reminder that God is the one who began our salvation, and God is the one who will ultimately continue to work in us and complete our salvation for the day we see Christ. We even saw this in the birth of the church in Philippi in, in Acts chapter 16, where it says that L God opened the heart of Lydia to respond to the gospel message. God began the good work in her life, and he would complete the good work in her life. And while that is definitely true, and we shouldn't deny that that's what this verse says, this verse says more than that when you read it in context. Because in context, Paul is talking about gospel partnerships, a gospel partnership that has been faithful for the long haul with the Philippians. And what he says is this long-term gospel partnership is solid evidence that God is at work in their life. When we are involved in long-term gospel partnerships with one another, that is evidence that God is at work in your life and mine. Have you ever found yourself maybe questioning your salvation? Wondering if it's really real that God has changed your heart and God has saved your life? Paul would say, look back on your life. Have you been partnering for the gospel working together for the fame of Christ's name with brothers and sisters in Christ, especially over the long haul? If you have, that should be assurance to you. Assurance that God has indeed changed your life and is working in your life. And it's not some kind of temporary thing. Confidence that what God began, God will complete. The next point we see is this. God gives gospel partners great love for one another. And this, incidentally, is really the jewel, the jewel that I want to focus on in this section of these, uh, these verses 3 through 8. God gives great love for gospel partners between one another. He says in verses 7 and 8, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. And then a little later he says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. Paul says to the Philippians, Guys, I hold you in my heart. We would say, You have a special place in my heart. Or maybe we would contemporize it and say, guys, I love you with all of my heart. Why does he love them so much? Because there is incredible joy that is given by God between Christians when they work together in gospel partnership on the same mission. When Christians work together for the mission of sharing the gospel, there is incredible love that they have for one another, and that love comes from God 
exists between them and draws them together. And when those who just want Christian friendships, not gospel partnerships, they deny themselves of that close and intimate experience. Paul repeats this again just because he wants to underline this point. He says, I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ. Guys, I love you so much. I love you like Jesus loves you. It's all come about because they are working together to share the gospel. Here is the point you must remember. The deepest most satisfying, joy-producing relationships you will experience in this world are not going to come from Christian friendships. They are going to come from gospel partnerships. It's going to come from working together with your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to share the good news of the gospel. That is where the greatest amount of relational joy in a world filled with loneliness is to be found. Let me give you some examples. Some of you know that one of the missionaries we support, Katie, is uh, engaged and she's going to be married soon. It's a neat way how she met her husband-to-be. They were serving on the mission field together. Working, they found themselves as gospel partners together for the glory of Christ and the spread of his fame. And as they worked together, they found themselves strangely being drawn together and finding themselves in more love together. This is the love that Paul's talking about here. Let me give you a word to singles. Singles, you know the best way to find the right person for you to marry? Get involved serving in the church. And as you're serving for the sake of the gospel in the church, look next to you and see who's serving beside you. Because you'll find yourself that you are starting to be slowly drawn to them, having a greater love for them. Because that is the love that God gives for gospel partners between them as they work together. Marriage, some application for you here. One of the best things you can do for your marriage is get involved serving in the church together oftentimes in the same ministry, and as you serve as gospel partners together in the church, you will find yourself being drawn closer to one another in your relationship. That's one of the best things you can do in the, in the, as a married husband and wife is serve together on the mission of Christ. The next point. The more adversity gospel partners face, the more joy they bring. For all of you are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Another reason Paul says that this partnership he has with the Philippians has such incredible closeness and joy to it is because it has, they've been with him for the ups and downs of life. They've been with him when he was defending and confirming the gospel, he says. Defending and confirming is actually legal, judicial terms for idea of defending something in a court of law. This is probably referring to what happened in Acts 26, where Paul in, in Caesarea actually gave a defense of the gospel before Caagrippa, before Bernice and, and Festus. 
and Paul was a really high-profile person sharing the gospel. He was a Christian rock star. Everybody wanted to have Paul on their missionary support list at that point. But then Paul appealed to Rome. Paul was sent to Rome. We find that two chapters later in Acts 28. And at first he was very popular as a prisoner. But over time his popularity diminished. And people thought of him as washed up. They thought of him as yesterday's evangelist. Not something for the modern times. But here's what's so neat. The Philippians and their faithfulness to him in being gospel partners with him, it stayed faithful in the good times and it stayed faithful in the tough times. They were always there. Helping him financially and sending people like Epaphroditus to help him in any other way he needed. And that brought especially deep and satisfying joy. Joy in that gospel partnership. One of the things that's interesting we find is a little bit later in the book of Philippians, Paul will talk about sending Timothy to the Philippians. Just as the Philippians had sent Epaphroditus to Paul to help him and be his gospel partner, Paul was going to send Timothy to the Philippians to help them and to be their gospel partner. But look how Paul describes Timothy. And look why Paul loves Timothy. We read this. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Sons serve with their fathers in the good times, and they serve with their fathers in the hard times. Timothy's faithful long-term partnership. So the application comes here. How can I move from Christian friendships to the joy of gospel partnerships, which produce so much more joy in a world that is filled with loneliness? Here's the applications. Number one, become a Christian. Join a church, support your church, and sink yourself into serving with others in the church. Gospel partnerships are only possible between Christians who have the same Holy Spirit working in their heart. And it works great when Christians come together in the church. They don't just attend the church, but they have to understand they aren't, they're not being called to attend the church, but as Christians we are called to work together for the glory of God in the church. To roll up our sleeves and have something much more than just friendships. In fact, God, as you know, gifts us differently and uniquely for reasons. God has given each of us practical gifts. He has given us spiritual gifts so that we can serve one another in gospel partnerships together. And when we serve in the church, the most amount of joy we can get out of gospel partnerships come when we serve in the church faithfully. Faithfully over the long haul, like the 10 years that the Philippians were there for Paul. Faithfully in the good times and the bad times like the Philippians were for Paul. Because serving faithfully and consistently gives more joy. 
Another application we saw is this. Partnership with, partner for the gospel with your spouse. Your love for one another will grow. When you work in the gospel partnership together, there is a special love that God gives us for that person. That's one of the best ways we can grow in love for our spouse is by serving with our spouse. Another practical application, take a mission trip to experience the joy of gospel partnership firsthand. I know it's hard to go on a mission trip right now in a a time when we're experiencing social distancing with this pandemic, but this pandemic will be over. It'll be over soon. And in that time, I'd encourage you to go on a mission trip or maybe join the youth on a youth mission trip or join our regular Haiti mission trip. Talk to those people who have been on a mission trip like that and you'll find that God drew them together and gave them a special joy of working together when they were working together for the gospel. They couldn't find that joy anyplace else. Also, support missionaries or local ministries financially, prayerfully, and practically. The missionaries that we support are literally our gospel partners working on the front lines for the gospel. And the more we get to know them, the more joy we will give to them and we will have from them. And lastly, I want to point this out. Crosswinds is a multi-site church because the gospel partnership between our campuses brings us more joy. I can definitely tell you that working together with uh, the Wyndham Extension sites and also our Spirit Spencer campus has brought greater joy in Crosswinds Church than had ever been found to before as we partner together for the gospel. Folks, we are in a world filled with isolation. We are in a world filled with loneliness. Today, I introduced you to a different kind of relationship a relationship that is much deeper and more satisfying than Christian friendships. A relationship called gospel partnership. And the most satisfying and joy-fulfilling relationships you will have with anyone in this world will be working with your brothers and sisters in Christ for the furtherance of God's kingdom in this world, being gospel partners with him. Do not deny yourself of this joy that God offers you in place of loneliness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for gospel partnership, the joy of working together for the furtherance of your kingdom. I thank you, Father, that there is great joy that is found when we work side by side with one another, that you draw us together and you give us joy together as we work on that mission. And I pray that we would remember that, to not be satisfied with just friendships, but we would be filled with joy from Christian partnerships. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.